and under the hand of John, dripping with water, and the voice of the Father speaking belovedness over Jesus. And we didn't, we talked about baptism, but we didn't really dive into baptism. Maybe you did at your discussion tables, uh, always the, the, the part two of our conversation here at Elevation. Uh, baptism is a kind of crossing over moment, a shifting from one mentality to a new one, an old allegiance to a new one. Very little actually changes, though, in, in this moment or transforms in us. But it does signify a kind of crossing over from the old to the new. And this week we're considering that idea of crossing over as we locate ourselves at a time when we're adding this transition team to our leadership community, as we consider the story of Israel, as they were standing at the edge of the desert, looking out upon the land of promise and possibility. The story is found in three different books. It's in Deuteronomy, it's in Numbers, and it's also later on in Joshua. And if you're unfamiliar, it goes a little bit like this. The people of Israel had been traveling in the wilderness with Moses as a kind of wilderness guide, as God is their, with God as their provider and sustainer. The wilderness had been a time of leaving Egypt behind. In Egypt, they formed a certain kind of identity, and it, it sustained them for a season, but eventually it wore out, and they needed uh, deliverance. They cried out to God for freedom, for rescue, and he, did, he sent Moses, who rescued them from the, the clutches of Pharaoh. We know this story. Maybe it's familiar. There's been movies made about it. It culminates in the crossing over of the Red Sea. Uh, the waters parted. They went through on dry, grand, uh, dry land, and then the waters crashed back together, a kind of uh, separating them from their enemy. It was a crossing over moment. It was maybe what you might call a boundary event. The victory was theirs, but that sense of victory uh, didn't last long because they were soon uh, met with this idea that they were in a barren wasteland full of more questions than answers, more doubts than certainties, and more scarcity than abundance. And so right off the hop, they begin to cry out. They grumbled, and then God heard and God provided. One of my favorite verses is found in Psalm 78, uh, which kind of retells this story. It's a psalm of looking back on this story, where the people, they spoke against God saying, is God able to provide food in the wilderness? One of my professors had a poster on his door that said, can the God of the wilderness grow grapes? It's always kind of stuck with me. After everything we've, they've seen and after everything God has done, they ask this. And of course, God is able, and God does provide. We see bread from heaven, manna. We see quail. We see water from the rock. The wilderness became a season for them uh, to rid themselves of their dependency on Egypt and then deepen their dependence on God. And when they finally come to the edge of the desert, this crossing over moment, they stare out across the Jordan River at the land of promise, and they're at this uh, another juncture, a crossing over moment. Uh, uh, where do they go from here? How do they get there? And, and sometimes uh, change management experts refer to these crossing over stories as boundary events. These, they're touch points along the way that remind us of our journey and our trajectory. They help us to, to, to move into the next season before us. They cue us for what's next. Uh, I think of some examples of boundary events, like maybe starting a new job. When you walk in the doors for the first time, uh, when you, when, you, when you walk in the doors and you're like, okay, I'm here, nothing really has actually changed. You probably already had the job uh, before. You've been given the keys and now you're there. But something is like different and you're, you're moving on to the next part. Or when you welcome in a, a, a baby into your life, you've had nine months of preparation. I think about our little Zinnia who was born in, in November and, you know, preparing and getting ready for, uh, for a baby to come. And when she arrived, it's a boundary event. It's like something is different now 
You can't go back. Uh, boundary events, often you, you might think of the idea of burning the ships. Uh, there's no real going back from boundary events. You need to cross over them. So boundary events are important for us as individuals and as communities as well. And so the community of Israel is at this boundary event. They're at the Jordan River. They're on the cusp of crossing over, and they devise this plan. They'll send in spies to look at the land and report back. And so they send in one spy, or one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And we find this story in Numbers 13, and this is what it looks like. This is how it reads. The men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land, because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. So this story features some historical geographical details at the front, namely where they were in the desert. And then there's this report of the land and its prospects. Its prospects. Remember when we first moved to our little farm and, uh, and walking through, we only had a half an hour viewing window with our uh, real estate agent to look at this place. And all the possibility was before us. I remember th thinking, wow, we could, we could grow so much here. We could do so much here. Uh, we also found out that a bunch of little, you know, details about, well, the well is technically not on our land, and there's all these little, like, asterisks that began to kind of weaken the report of the, of the place, but we, were, we decided we we're going to go for it. Uh, here they have this, they have this report of, of amazing fruit, amazing possibility, amazing promise, full of land, or full of milk and honey. I mean, they just come from the desert, so anything probably seems better, uh, and, and full of opportunity, but they are worried. The people there are strong. The cities are well fortified. And again, we see this doubt sink in. Can they do this? But also, can God do this? Is God able to provide food in the wilderness? Can God provide for us here? Of the 12 spies, only Caleb seems to believe in the possibility before them. Perhaps it's his youth. Perhaps it's his faith in the one who leads them. The others seem to be focused on the barriers and the challenges and their own questions of identity. And you might have known, I noticed this word Nephilim in there. I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into this. It's kind of a, you could read lots about it. But in short, the Nephilim were giants. Uh, some translations just replace the word with giant. Uh, in the Genesis account, before the flood, there was this description of these very large people, these giants, who were around, and apparently they survived the flood. And whether this is meant to be literal or figurative or otherwise, we have these people, these same large people here in this land of Canaan. And the scouts report back that these enemies looked like those giants, men of great size, and in comparison, they felt like grasshoppers. For, uh, for us at, at Elevation, I cannot help but wonder, like, what are are giants like? 
in this season, when we stand on this side of this boundary event and we scout out the landscape before us, what giants stand in our way? And I've spent some time considering this question this week, but I, I've got two ideas, but I, I feel like there's probably more in our, that we could pull forward and, and, and name here. The two that, I, that come to mind for me are, uh, there's a mountain of work before us. This has been said before. This has been acknowledged. Uh, it's been mentioned that there's a lot of work before us. We've got bylaw changes, structural changes, the reimagining of who we are as a faith community in, in Kitchener-Waterloo. It feels like a lot. It feels like daunting work at times. Uh, the other giant, I would say, is time. There seems to be a time component uh, that that we need to get somewhere, we need to arrive, we cannot exist in this sort of uh, liminal space forever. People cannot stay here indefinitely, we need to land somewhere, we need to settle down somewhere, we need to, we need to find our footing somewhere. And so these are kind of two big giants before us. And when we consider these giants, maybe we could pause and, and offer some questions for consideration. I, I wonder, you know, as we consider the work before us, do we believe in the work? How important is it to us? Is it worth it to take on these giants? When we consider the scope of work before us, we might also consider, have others already begun this work? Is there a foundation to build off of? There's also this delicate balance between urgency and patience. Rushing this work won't help us. So do we possess the, both the time and the patience to do this work well? The other aspect of the scouting report brought back to them is this notion of what some refer to as a grasshopper mentality. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, it reads. And maybe you've been around Elevation a long time, and you've been witness to this community at its biggest, at its most productive, at its peak, if you will. And maybe right now, you're sitting with the feeling of, we're grasshoppers. We're smaller than we used to be. We're not as big. Some of us are really tired as well. Or you're aware that our financial position is not what it used to be and that we really need to make some changes there. If we don't reduce some costs or increase our giving or both, we, we're going to have some challenges ahead of us. And maybe you're asking, is God able to provide food in this wilderness for us? Is God able to provide for us here and now? Questions that come from these questions, uh, does this community possess the people, the gifts, and the energy to embark on this work? Does this community possess both the faith that God will provide, and the collective resources to make it happen. Both of these are important. I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it, that we have a, a God who longs to collaborate. God works synergistically with us to bring about his kingdom. And so I believe this, this community of, of people is full of those who are gifted and talented, who long to be a church, not just that survives, but that thrives. And in the middle of it all is the Spirit of God, infusing us with hope and creativity and a thirst for possibility. I believe this community is full of people who, are, uh, who both trust God and that he will provide, but also uh, those who lead with generosity, that collaborative nature. We, we don't just sit back and wait for God to do everything for us. We join him in this work. And so this is not a community marked by scarcity. This is a community bursting with the abundant kingdom of God. But if you do find yourself doubting or struggling to believe that right now, and that's fair, that's valid, there's some, uh, 
these crossing over stories feature some encouraging words for us that might nourish our souls. In Deuteronomy 31, 3, we read, The Lord your God is, with, is the one who will cross ahead of you. Uh, these words echo a reminder that God is the God of the journey. God has always gone with us and ahead of us. He's not sending us where he's not going to. And a little later on in that same section, we read, Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified, Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Again, be strong and courageous. The scouting report highlights the strength of the opposition and the fear within their own ranks. And as we calculate the work before us, it's easy to overemphasize the sheer mountain of work ahead of us and our own nagging questions and trepidations. So be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. God is going with you. God is going with us. And again, these words are, are repeated like a kind of uh, repeated refrain at the outset of the Joshua story as well. It's worth naming, though, that there's two, two versions of this story. Uh, one we read in Numbers on the banks of the Jordan, looking out at the land of possibility and promise with this bleak scouting report, and it doesn't end well. They don't choose strength. They don't choose courage. They let fear guide them, and they turn back into the wilderness. And it's quite a number of years later that we find the Joshua account of this, where they come once again to the Jordan River, and they send a second group of scouts in, and the second time they do choose to cross over, and they do choose strength and courage. Perhaps it was the additional time in the wilderness. Perhaps it was because they began to listen to the voices of Caleb and others, Perhaps they just needed more time, depending on God, leaning on the provision that God provides. Whatever the reason, they choose an identity of strength and courage that is rooted in God. Not the grasshopper mentality, not the scarcity mentality. And for we who stand on the banks of this next season of elevation, we are invited to consider our own posture and our own self-understanding. It's worth stating the obvious, and, but maybe it's a good reminder that with Christ in our midst, we are more than mere grasshoppers. With Christ in our midst, we have more than enough. And I wonder, what if our perception of ourselves is perhaps distorted, or how has this myth of scarcity informed our self-understanding? If we sit with the, uh, the character of God that we see in Scripture, I wonder if that would combat that. What if the feeding stories of Jesus, the one where, uh, you know, he took a kid's lunch and he made enough for everyone— what if the water into wine stories and the miracles, what if they were all true? What if they were all true? What if that is the God that we follow after? Not a God of scarcity, but a God of abundance. How would that impact our reality as we follow Christ together? If we come full circle back to this idea of baptism and boundary events, we are on the cusp of one. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge uh, I've not been part of the nominating uh, committee process, but I've had a sort of a front row seat to just the amount of work that this team has poured in, the dedication, the commitment, the hours they've focused, and, uh, and we don't do a lot of clapping here, but I think it's worth naming, like, this is a team that has done some great work, and I want to actually honor them right now. So thank you for, for being uh, a group that's listening, discerning. That team has been made up of, of a member of our pastoral team, Melissa, as well as uh, two members from our community, 
Courtney and Patricia and a member of our board, uh, Chad. And so just tremendous work. And, and really important because this, this work of discerning who are, this, who are the people who are going to lead us forward, this transition team, uh, is incredibly important as we move forward together. So we're at this, this idea of crossing over a baptism, we're on the cusp of this, and I want to just shift from, from uh, the conversation here to the conversation we'll do in the, in the gym around tables, and as we consider these, these questions, what time are we at? Okay, we got, we got a little bit of time still. The first question I would love us to wrestle with around tables is what reservations are you still holding on to? as we prepare to embark on this next part of the journey together. What reservations are you still holding on to? What fears, nagging questions? And what will help you to join this Elevation community in crossing over into this next season together? And the second question is, as we cross over together, this is more of a, a reflection question for yourself, what commitment am I willing to make to this community? It could be leaning in with more energy, with more gifts. It could be leaning in with more financial support. It could be a commitment to praying for people. How will I use my gifts for the benefit of this community? So we actually have some extra time. So maybe we can uh, spend some more time around discussion tables or some more time catching up. Um, and so I will dismiss us in a moment, but I'm going to pray for us first. God, we thank you that you are the God of the journey. You are the God who goes before us and with us. We thank you that uh, there are stories in Scripture about giants, and the giants don't win. Um, we thank you that, that there are so many stories in Scripture where uh, your kingdom is flipped upside down, where the, the, least are for, the last are first, the least are, are elevated, the smallest are uh, raised up. And we thank you that um, in you and in your kingdom, scarcity does not prevail. And so would you meet us where we're at? If we are doubting and worrying and wondering and full of questions, would you meet us there? Would we feel comfortable and safe to bring those questions into these uh, communal spaces and wrestle them out together? And for those of us who are feeling ready to go and kind of like Caleb, uh, let's go. Let's, let's cross over together. Uh, we need those voices too. And so would you encourage us through those voices uh, that we would be a community that moves forward with hope and that is holding on to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So our practice is we move from the sanctuary, we go over to the gym, and uh, you can join a conversation at a discussion table. Uh, if you don't want to do that just yet, maybe you're new, you can just hang out in the gym and, uh, and get to know somebody and converse. And so let's move over there now.